All right, welcome to the OVNI interviews. We're your hosts, Eric Bork and Mikey Taylor. What up? We're the co-founders of OVNI, a brand for entrepreneurs and influencers. Here on the OVNI interviews, we interview people doing the work they want and the lifestyle they love to help other people do the same thing. Today's guest we have had on before, and we had to have him back on today because we went over the first time how to scale your business or how to start basically an agency and how he started his, but we want to go into a little bit more detail um, on how to do that. Barton Damer is the founder of AlreadyBeenChewed.tv, an amazing 3D motion graphic studio. Uh, they've done work for clients like Nike, uh, G-Shock, Tiffany & Co., uh, some, some huge brands, and they do amazing 3D motion work. So, we're going to have Barton back on today, but before I cue Barton up, um, we're going to go over pricing today and we're going to provide a PDF uh, for anybody that wants to remember these these numbers. You can go to ovnidigital.com forward slash prices to download that PDF if you want to reference the numbers that we're talking about today. And of course, check out you know Barton's stuff at alreadybeenchewed.tv. So Barton, thanks for being back on. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank you guys for having me back on. Awesome, man. So we got a really good response last time. Um, and the funny thing is, I swear your name has probably come up in your story and I think six or seven of our other podcasts. It cool. just keeps coming up because of how you did it. That's awesome. Um, and I'm gonna, refer, if you haven't watched Barton's first episode, I, I can't remember the number, but go back on our YouTube page, our iTunes, and just check it out really cool story. And I'm just going to throw out there that the way Barton did it was, uh, was a one man show and then brought on another employee in his house and then moved to an office. And now today runs a, um, large agency with how many people are you? Uh, there's nine of us, nine of them. Um, so let's jump in. Um, let's talk about scaling now, Barton for creatives out there mm -hmm. that are one person shows what, where do they start? Yeah. Um, well, I think before you can scale, you have to make sure you're making enough money for yourself, right? Yeah. Um, and then beyond making enough money for yourself, you have to have profit. Right. Um, so one of the things that you need to figure out is, you know, how much money do I need to make for myself? And then how much can I start making um, to be able to invest back into my company. Right. Um, so, uh, do you want to go through kind of like the ways that somebody could try to figure that out or do you want to yes. jump right into let's, that? Let's go through that. Okay. What are you going to say, Mikey? I, I was going to say it's, it's interesting because I, I think a lot of people starting off feel like they desperately need people to come on to make mm -hmm. more money, yes. but they don't have money coming in yet to pay people to come on. Yes. And it's a, at least for everything I've experienced, it's a, yeah. it's a delicate balance to know if you should take somebody on and suffer some of the money for yourself with the intention that you'll get to a point of being able to make more money yeah. because you can only do so much as one person. Right. Yeah. And I know this is specific to the field you're in. Um, but I think you did it the kind of textbook way of exactly how it should be done, which I think yeah. is, uh, is amazing. Well, um, so what yeah. would you say to like the kid who's like, yeah, but I, I don't make enough yet. Sure. I'm one guy, I don't make enough yet, and I feel like I'm maxed out. Yeah. Well, I think um, we're in the VC generation of starting businesses. Sure. So uh, people are used to a great idea, 
raising money and then starting right. with 10 people on staff sure. from day one. Yep. So it's probably um, maybe a little less heard of to, to be a one man show and then continue to grow. And for some people, that might be less desirable. You know, it might be more fun to, to go out and... We're all impatient. Right? Let, let's, <laughs> let's pound on that yeah. point for one second. When you say we're in the VC model, uh, our yes. generation, I feel like that model has kind of started to shift. Uh-huh. To, uh, are you saying that our, gen- our age is in that generation? Because there's people now that are basically taking their one-man show business and making a lot of money. Yeah. Um, so when you say that, uh, we're in the generation. Do you feel like that's changing now? Um, I just say it from kind of the, the, I guess, perspective of a lot of the businesses that you see yeah. are started with a group of people and a lot of money. We're used them. to seeing that. Yeah. yeah. And then the, you know, to a certain degree, you're not as, you're not as hungry or driven because you've got a cushion you yeah. know, to, to yeah. fall back on. Yeah. Um, and there are business models that might require two or three people or more to even get up off of the ground. Totally. Um, but obviously anytime you're starting a business, you know, what's the saying that an entrepreneur will work a hundred hours for himself. So they doesn't have to work 40 hours for somebody else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's what you're doing. So yeah. you're yeah. going to wear multiple hats. So at one point, I was the best salesperson at ABC. I was the best artist at ABC. I was the best uh, emailer, and you know what I mean. Like yep. every single role at one point. I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yep. but that but that's different. As we've grown, I'm no longer the best at a lot of the things yeah. at our company. I've got really great people that are yeah. working with me. Yeah. Um, so when you start out, um, be prepared to do it all. Yeah. Um, so while being an artist was my passion, I quickly realized that I was going to be writing contracts on the phone, talking to clients about revisions, getting yelled at for charging them for going out of scope of work. And then I would have to be creative after everybody went to bed at night, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's, that's part of the gig. Yeah. Um, unless you are in a situation where you can just start with a staff that you need and, and run from there. Yeah. I think that is the trend of like how big of a round did you just fund? Yeah. Or raise. Yeah. Yeah. So back to you getting started. Yes. Um, how, how let's actually, we already covered that last time. How? Mm -hmm. So let's, let's speak to people who are getting started. Yeah. The, the, the main, no, nobody wants to be stuck. Yeah. And I can't tell you how many times what you and Mikey were just describing. I've seen that. It's like, I, I'm making 150 grand and I'm living a certain lifestyle. I'm not talking about me. I've seen this. I'm making this much money. I'm living a certain lifestyle and I can't relinquish that money mm-hmm. because I'm not willing to take the risk to scale. And to me, that's always a, a painful process. Yeah. Because it, it, it's kind of like this, as described in the e-myth, it's like it never really fully takes off. So speaking to people that are trying to take off. Yes. What are the first steps? Um, figure out what you're going to charge, right? Okay. Um, so you want to talk through that? Yeah. How do we do um, that? Because I think that's one of the hardest things is like uh, when you're providing a service versus like, you know, developing a business strategy where there's a product involved. When you're providing a service, you just don't know how much to charge or how much it's worth. Um, and so the first step I would say in figuring out how much to charge is figure out what are your bills, right? Yeah. Um, so just for the sake of math and I'm going to 
pull this up on my screen so that the math is already done for me. But uh, for the sake of math, let's just say all of your bills cost you a hundred grand a year. And we're talking <clears throat> your bills, meaning your taxes are your paid. Personal bill, your personal bills, your car, your electric, your insurances, if you've got kids, wife, mm -hmm. whatever. Um, let's just say that your bills, you need $100,000 a year so that nothing gets repoed. Mm -hmm. So let's just start with that. Some people need a lot less than that. Some people need a lot more than that. Yeah. But if, if your number to cover your bills, then we can work back and we can figure out the baseline hourly rate that you should charge, mm -hmm. whatever your services are, whether they're creative services or not. Um, so if it's a hundred thousand, then we're going to divide it by 50 weeks, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, 50 weeks means you're going to get two weeks of vacation. Um, but you're working all the other weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, so if you divide a hundred grand by 50 weeks, that means you need $2,000 a week. Um, for $2,000 a week, typically you might be billing 30 hours a week. Mm -hmm. So now if you do the math on that, your hourly rate is $66 an hour. And that means you have to be booked 30 hours a week minimum, 50 weeks a year. So that's your baseline starting point. And you might start to realize, wow, I don't think I'm gonna be booked 30 hours a week every single week of the year. I think there's times where I might only bill 20 hours or 10 hours yep. or things like that. So then that's going to affect the hourly rate. Uh, you may have to go up because what happens if you have two slow weeks or three slow weeks, you're not going to hit that hundred K that you have set for what you need to cover yourself or your yeah. family, things like that. So that gives you a baseline. Okay. Now I know an hourly rate. So if I'm approaching a business for whatever, whether it's creative services, uh, strategy, it could be cleaning a cleaning service. You know what I mean? Um, now I know that my hourly rate has to be, at least 66,000 based off of that hundred grand a year. Yeah. yeah. The problem with that though, is you're still not factoring anything in as far as profit. And if there's no profit, you can't grow. Mm -hmm. Um, and so definitely within the creative community, I sense this, that, um, artists frown upon the word profit. They feel like they're being greedy, yeah. uh, or they feel like they're being corporate if profit is involved. Um, so you do have to plan for profit and at the very beginning of starting a business like this, there might not be much profit to be honest, because mm -hmm. you've got to find the balance of, is it worth this? Can I charge this? So let's just say at the end of all your bills, you're paying for a Ferrari and a house in Beverly Hills and your hourly rate needs to be 300 an hour. Is anybody willing to pay you that? Uh, so you've got to figure that out as well. So just because you do this math and this calculator doesn't necessarily mean that the business is out there that will pay you uh, yeah. for that. And we kind of talked about this um, before the show from a creative standpoint, you know, I have the ability to draw portraits, right? Um, or do graphic design or where we're currently at, I'm a motion graphics artist at this point. Um, so if I were to look at what I need to cover my bills, um, unfortunately there doesn't seem to be a large market willing to pay me to draw portraits, right? You know, at yeah. least not for me. So, I mean, some people have figured it out. Yeah. Um, so I had to change what I do creatively to go where there was a demand for my creative work. Okay. Yeah. And let's talk about mm. that. Sure. Yeah. Because I think that's a huge point because everybody always DMs us. Why do you guys talk so badly about starting skateboard companies? 
All the right? time. Get it all yeah. the time. Yeah. Right. And that's yeah. a, that's a huge point is like, if you're in this to make money, this is why we talk about not wanting to start a board brand because there's not a lot of or a restaurant. It, we right? just clown on them all the time. Not clown, but we just don't encourage people to start them. Well, yeah, I just think you you definitely need to analyze the industry that you're about to get into, right? Yes. And if you're getting into a very niche market, don't expect to have this out out or this uh, like really out lavish. Something. You're gonna hit a ceiling. Yeah, you you're gonna hit a ceiling. Yeah, right. and I don't think if you want to drive Ferraris, like this isn't the thing for you, right? <laughs> You know? Right. So let's talk about a snapshot. Um, I can already see where we're, we have a full outline here. I can already see where we're going with this. So let's talk about the, what people are paying for right now. Barton, what are people paying for right now in the creative space? Um, well, <clears throat> when I first started my career, I, I started in print mm-hmm. and I noticed the trend that print was on the decline as far as, yep. you know, digital was taking over. Uh, so for me personally, I moved into website design. So mm-hmm. I was doing um, flash animations and things like that in like 1999, maybe like the year 2000. Uh, and I quickly realized that while people were willing to pay a lot of money for websites, I was the guy that wanted to create the really cool flash animated load sequences mm-hmm. that everybody hated to watch while they waited yep. for the website to watch. And so that's kind of how I got into motion graphics was... Um, I enjoyed the animation of a flash website more than I enjoyed trying to code a website or make it, make it functional. (laughs) Um, so then, uh, you know, I started having to look around and say, if I want to remain in a creative space, what are people willing to pay for and looking at the trends and things like that. Um, so that's where I got into motion graphics and basically where we are now is we're doing a lot of product launches. Um, so the brands we're working with are willing to pay us because we're helping them to launch products, which generates more sales. And I'm gonna go in, I'm gonna go in here for one sec. So this is so key. So keep let, let's give a snapshot of, of Barton's agency. So he's working with some of the biggest clients in the world, companies like Nike. Um, name some other ones real quick. Uh, yeah, we're doing a lot of footwear. So Nike, Under Armour, Adidas, Vans. Um, but we've also worked with Tiffany and co, Mm uh, we worked, we just recently worked with Disney on a spot for the 90th anniversary of Mickey mouse. Uh, we just did a series, uh, with DC comics. So we did Batman, wonder woman and flash, uh, for a series of watches, uh, that came out for them. So So I'm going to go in here real quick. So you guys, what Barton's saying is basically the, these are companies, keep in mind, if you're a graphic designer, if you design, um, and, and your expertise is illustrator. These companies have a ton of in-house graphic designers. They have in-house graphic designers. So if your specialty right now is graphic design, it's very difficult to go out and get, be independent and make a living doing graphic design only. When it comes to 3D motion graphics, Many of these companies don't have in-house 3D motion graphics. So there's a demand there. There's a demand where these larger companies are paying for that. And that's what you need to look for. Look for the demands in the market that people are paying for. And I'm going to touch on a few others. And of course, I'm going to talk about our academy. This is one thing that we just keep saying over and over. There is a demand right now. Everybody needs social media. Everybody needs someone to place their Facebook ads. Now, obviously, some people may not take that approach, but smaller businesses, unlike Disney, 
are not going to bring in someone in-house. A plastic surgeon is most likely not going to have an in-house Facebook ads manager or graphic designer. So they need to outsource that. And that's where the opportunity for TechWorks, our academy comes in. And that's what I've done up until this point to make a living um, is find these smaller businesses that have that need. So you have to find the need in the market and then see if that need scales. Back to Mikey's point, a skateboard company, you're going to hit a ceiling. A restaurant, you're going to hit a ceiling. Um, And Barton, just to recap, you basically just said like, 3D motion animation right now is what you're doing. Yes. But what what else, where could you see yourself going? Where could you see yourself evolving if the market shifts? Yeah, you. I mean, you have to pay attention to the trend. So I, I mentioned earlier, I got it from print into web and then into 3D motion graphics and animation, which we have kind of um, focused in on launching products. So Hopefully that is a business strategy that is going to be needed for a long time, as long as people are launching products. Yeah. But uh, to your question, we are on the lookout deciding, do we need to focus on virtual reality or augmented reality? Yep. And uh, we have done some virtual reality um, and uh, it just hasn't been something that our clients are hitting us up for yet. Yet. But it may be something where yeah. three, five years from now, we're looking at each other saying, nobody wants us to do 3D animated spots. They all want augmented reality now. And so you have to be able to shift and change with the demands of the market. I think that's such a good point. I think a lot of people think that what they're doing and if it's successful at the moment it's going to be successful forever yes and no one like wants to look at like okay this might end what yeah. am i going to plan for how am i going to move i think that's an incredible yeah point. nothing fails like past success is the saying and evolve or die so but what you're doing is very specialized and very in demand for these high these high-end product launches um so okay let's keep going here and let's talk about that we're talking about people scaling from one-man shows to hiring employees and scaling their business Uh, Break down what the rule of thirds is. Sure. Um, So the rule of thirds is essentially a very easy way for you to think about how you should be um, charging and budgeting within your company. Um, Now, if you can if you can operate at a larger profit margin than a third, that would be fantastic. But um, in general, the simplest way for me to explain this is um, a third of your budget is going to have to go to the actual production of the piece. Then a third of your budget is going to go to everything that's not the actual production of your piece. So that could be anything from, uh, say, a project manager mm-hmm. or a salesperson. Like those aren't actual billable hours uh, or that are you know actually producing the spot or the creative or the strategies uh, for Facebook or things like that. So. A third is going to the actual production. One third is going to covering things that still need to happen, um, like those roles or positions. It's also covering your bills, uh, Mm -hmm. your electricity, lawyer fees, things like that. And then the last third is the profit that you want to have uh, and operate with because out of that third, it's not just fun money, right? Um, Because if you... If you operate in this rule of thirds, now that last third is going to purchase you new computer equipment. Um, It's going to buy you better computer equipment. Um, It's also going to allow you to get 401k plans for your employees, which we implemented for the first time this year. Um, And so each year, if you operate with some sort of profit in mind, 
yes, as the owner of the company, hopefully you can take a distribution against that profit. Um, but though that profit also is a choice that you make to invest back into the company. So for myself, I'm constantly investing back into ABC, whether that's the people, uh, or the equipment, um, or, uh, like I mentioned last time on the episode, uh, we invested and bought a, a building so that nobody would be able to jack up the lease prices on us. So we're locked in. Yeah. If anybody raises the lease on them, it's me. And I wouldn't do that to myself. So, yeah. you know, looking for opportunities to invest back into the company um, so that you can grow because you cannot grow if you don't have that level of profit there. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's what I would say is kind of like the minimum. You know, it's better to operate in like the 40 to 50 percent profit range. Gotcha. Perfect. Okay. So that's, that's the rule you want to live by. So just to kind of break it down, if you're a one man show and your bills are 50 grand, um, you need to put, you need to be, basically be making 150 yep. and put 50 towards the company yes. is the basic. That's very broad, but that's the basic rundown of the rule of thirds. Okay. So now let's talk about, um, I want to touch on this right now. Let's talk about line item pricing and value-based pricing. Yes. Okay. So value-based pricing is where I prefer to be with our company um, because we like to... Uh, Can you explain yeah. the difference of the two for the listener? Yeah. So uh, essentially you're trying to create something that's in enough of a demand or you're that good at it or you're an expert at it that um, the, the clients are willing to either pay a premium or put a value on what you do versus your competitor. Mm -hmm. So with ABC, um, I believe our competitive advantage is the way we're going to approach your um, product or your project. Um, so it, like in the name itself, already been chewed, we approach our clients and we say, okay, what's already been done because we wanna do something different. So the value there is um, knowing what a client is willing to pay for something versus line item pricing is okay i'm gonna have two designers on it a project manager a salesperson a creative director and their day rates are this 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 and this and they're going to be on the project for three weeks if i add that up that equals 25 grand and then i'll build in a little bit of profit for margin you know um that would be line item pricing versus value pricing okay. mm -hmm. um the the reason I prefer to be in the value um, pricing is because with line item, you're, you're pretty much stuck right there. Like, you know what you're going to have to pay out and you only have the potential to make the profit that you're marking up and showing the client. The problem with that is what if I tell the client, this is going to take 20 days. I need five people on the project for 20 days and here's my 30% markup. Well, what happens when it goes to 30 days? You know, now yeah. am I going back to the client and getting more money from them? Um, what if what if it took 30 days because of internal and inefficiencies? You know, mm -hmm. maybe uh, our staff just wasn't hitting the mark. Creative block took longer than we expected, and then the the reverse of that is: what if it only takes us five days? Should we be punished because we did? We launched your project as a global campaign and because we were able to do it quickly, we're going to get punished for that. Yep. Then if I tell you 
it's going to get take 20 days and you approved 20 days for five people to be on it should we just slow down now and take 20 days you know because <laughs> so value pricing would take all that awkwardness out of it and say okay we all agree that this project is worth a hundred thousand dollars from here on out i don't care if it takes me six weeks or six days you're not going to get charged more than that because the, here's the value of it. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And I, I want for that's and you're describing it on a high level. I want to bring mm -hmm. it back and really quickly kind of describe it on a getting started level. So our first client, um, well, at the time it was my first client a long time ago. They had someone doing their their social media right, mm -hmm. and the person was doing a good job. They're charging them, I think, like whatever, fifteen bucks an hour. So they were paying them literally almost nothing, right? Mm -hmm. But they were just like, it's not like, it, there was this like constant back and forth between, is this worth it, is it not? And they were like, well, do you want to do it? And I said, yeah, 2,500 bucks. Uh, I'll give you $5,000 worth of value. And I didn't realize it, but I was figuring out back then what you're describing just on a smaller level, 2,500 bucks. And, and you think about it and it sounds like, well, that's so much more than the like $400 they were paying that person. Mm -hmm. But the someone said this the other day and it like almost made me laugh because it like i figured it out people hate sting when you're stingy mm -hmm. it's just a principle when someone's like oh give me that dollar back people just look at that and it just bugs them right yes so when they look at paying 1200 or excuse me 2500 dollars versus looking at paying 400 dollars and nickeling and diming and houring and marking and yes. headache Yes. They're just like, I'll just pay. Yes. And they're glad to do it, right? Yeah, because what happens is they have a certain budget and they have to go get it approved. So if you all agree, you know, hey, this is going to be $5,000. If they have to go back and ask for $500 in overages. That's like, like a it, They're just like, that's it makes annoying. makes them look yeah. bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they would. They, it's just an annoyance. They for want all, you yeah. to protect yourself and them. You know what I mean? So that they only have to go one time and get it approved by the CFO or whoever has to approve it. Yeah. And then if they have to go back and get two hours of work approved, it's like, really? You know, yep. it just kind of drains everybody. Yeah. And it's just such a solid principle, value-based pricing. So um, that, Barton, it's so cool to hear you're doing that on such a high level now. Um, and for people who haven't watched the first episode, Barton started skateboarding. He was making like yeah. video video animations for like skateboard companies for like a couple hundred bucks or something, right? Or for free it for a long product. time. For <laughs> product. For, yeah, he was exchanging it for products. So I used to tease with my friends. I was getting more boards per month than they were, and they were the sponsored ones. <laughs> they were sponsored. And like you could take it from any company you wanted. So that that's how Barton started out, and this is where he is today with his agency. So we went over the rule of thirds. We talked about value-based pricing. Now let's talk about the obstacles when you start to scale. What do you think are the things that are difficult when people are just getting started? What holds them back? You talked about not being scared of profit. What else? It's always super scary to bring somebody else on. Um, I mean, I'm in the process now of hiring another person. So that'll give us, that'll make us 10 uh, people. And it's a slow process for me. Like I don't want to mess with somebody's family mm -hmm. uh, by bringing them on and then having to lay them off six months or a year later. Um, so that's always super scary. And it's always a huge step of faith to bring somebody on um, because there's so many times when ABC was just two people, three people, 
even four people where it was like, do we have to have another person? No, we could do business fine. And we don't have to have this new person. But then when we brought that new person on a year later, we're looking back and saying, how did we ever do it without that person? Yeah. Um, and that's kind of where we are right now too. Whereas it's like, do we have to have one more person on staff? No. But when we added the eighth person, we looked back and we're like, wow, what did we even do before that person was on here? Um, so a big challenge I think is complacency or just being scared to grow. Yeah. Uh, because it's so much easier to just say like, I'm not bringing somebody on. Um, and, and just kind of, I guess, uh, being okay with where you are at the size that you are, because it's risky. It's risky to bring somebody on, mm -hmm. but with reward comes risk. Is it, how do you do, how do you, how do you handle delegation? Are delegation. you good at it? Do you have the, the challenge of micromanaging? I hope, and I would think that I'm good at it. And the reason okay. I say that is because I definitely like to empower the guys to do what they are good at. Um, and, uh, I'm definitely not the type of artist that feels like I have to put my fingerprints on this thing. Um, so I'm going to change it just so that I know that I did something here. Uh, so in that sense, I definitely want to make sure that we're giving the client what they promised or that it has a certain vibe that ABC is known for or quality. Mm -hmm. Um, but I want to give um, our team enough direction that they can then be creative and take that direction to a level that a lot of times I wasn't even expecting it to go to. Um, so I definitely hope that that's the way it is. Um, and when it comes to the other areas of the business, you know, my, my wife is doing the finances for the company as well as the paychecks, insurance, um, you know, all of those types of things, completely hands off. Like, okay we have meetings once a month to catch me up on what's happening and it's the most boring hour of my life <laughs> you know okay and, so and here, not oh, because sorry, of my going. wife but because of the numbers yeah the numbers <laughs> yeah no we didn't take it like that at all yeah so here here's here's a key question for people looking at doing this let's say you didn't have your wife doing finances let's say she yeah. couldn't do it mm -hmm. what is the who is as a creative if they're looking to hire and scale Who's the mm -hmm. first key person to bring on? Easy. Uh, you don't need to bring them on an accountant. You want okay. an accountant. And I mean, literally, the accountant services might be $1,500, two grand a year. Uh, and it's worth way more than that. Yeah. Um, our accountant gives us business advice, telling us where to put things for our taxes, uh, write-offs, all that kind of stuff. So get an accountant. I think people get a little bit scared. Like it's going to cost a fortune to have an accountant, you know? Yeah. It's relatively uh, cheap. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, it's worth what so yeah. much more than that. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> that's the first kind of resource. So we're going to do after this with Barton, we're going to do an exclusive, like the tools he uses and how he scaled and grew his business for, uh, the members of the TechWorks Academy. Um, it's avnidigital.com if you want to check it out. But right now, I want to talk about the first person you hire. Yes. Like that, so that, and that's not wrong. I'm just saying, like, mm -hmm. the first person you actually bring on. Yep. Is it replacing yourself? Is it mm -hmm. somewhat a business manager for creatives that want to grow an agency and scale? Who's the first person they look at bringing on? So, as, a, as an employee. Yeah. So, for me, what I started to realize um, is that because of my background and having worked 14 years for different 
studios and doing graphic design and web design and things like that. Um, I never viewed myself as a freelancer, um, but because I was an individual, I was being pegged as a freelancer, which meant clients didn't mind asking me to do stuff for free or late at night or weekends because they knew I was in my pajamas in my spare bedroom working on mm -hmm. stuff. So they would call me, hey, do you mind fixing this? I know it's 10 p.m., but blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to stop being treated like a freelancer and I wanted to be a studio because I knew that I had the ability to design their logo all of their branding, brand guidelines. I could do their print for them, their digital for them, or I could take them onto television with a 3D animated spot just because of the length of my career before I went out on my own. So for me, the very first hire needed to be somebody that could answer the phone or send out emails for me so that all of a sudden I'm no longer a freelancer, I'm a studio. And could that person also design or were they more... No. Okay, so yeah. you hired basically <clears throat> like an assistant almost? Yes, absolutely. An admin. Yeah, and that person, just the difference in the way clients will treat you when somebody else is answering the emails or the phone calls, mm -hmm. it's night and day. Yeah, You're no longer a freelancer in your jammies. Like you are a studio and there's somebody else that's kind of a buffer yeah. to a certain degree. Hey, I'm going to throw this out there though. All, all these people like pretending they have assistants, you better be good at that shit, man. Like I can't, like I catch on to that so fast. Like people, <laughs> oh, my assistant it, does yeah. this, my bullshit. Like you don't have an assistant. Like, all right. We like if you're going to do that, you better be good at it or actually have an assistant. So anyways, keep going. So that would be your first hire. That's someone yeah. that, do you think that, do you think that's the case for everyone or is that a more of a like personal first hire for you based on your personality? <laughs> for me, it was definitely, um, I, I needed somebody in that role so that I could start charging more okay. because the moment, uh, I brought that person on, I literally tripled my rates because I was no longer a freelancer doing the same thing, same thing. But now somebody could hit send on an email. Got it. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so that was worth everything. So that drove yes. your value pricing up. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Love it. So that right there, bringing on an admin, if someone's killing it as creative is worth spending money on so that you can jack your rates up because then you're then viewed as a studio. Well, and it's not just jacking your rates up. It's, no, uh, I know. it's being able to service the clients better. Right. So that person can now be available when you're not available. <laughs> Get an assistant, charge three times, you're good. <laughs> How do I find profit hires me? Get an assistant, pay for itself. <laughs> Your prices just went up. All right. Yeah, so, you know, so if I'm on the box being creative and in the zone, I might not answer someone's email till the next day mm -hmm. uh, or I'm not available at all. And so that person was able to at least keep the client informed, like, hey, thanks for your email. I'll talk with Barton and we'll get back to you as soon as possible. It'll likely be in the morning unless this is an emergency. And just being able to keep the client informed and things like that um, goes a long way. Okay. So here, here I want to throw, you got something, Mikey? Go ahead. Okay. So what are, give us three and at least two mm -hmm. of the biggest mistakes that you see people making. Partnering if you don't have to. Thank you. Like I, that's such a good so point. rad you said that's that. That's, <laughs> that's such a good first point. Sorry. <laughs> I was not expecting that, but that is. I wasn't yeah. either. I was not expecting that so, either. So yeah. go into detail. Point. Okay. So let me preface it. Partnerships can be fantastic. Mm -hmm. I'm not downing partnerships, but I also know that as a creative person, I wrestled with that 
for the first seven years of eight and a half years of doing ABC, mm-hmm. I constantly told my wife, Hey, I really feel like I need like this type of a person to partner with me or this mm-hmm. type of a person. And I was always wanting and looking for opportunities to partner with somebody. And thankfully none of those really panned out. Um, and the reason I say that is because I'm a hundred percent owner now. Um, whereas if I had partnered with one or two people, at the beginning, it was really scary and I felt like I needed partners and I had to have partners. Um, and so I wanted partners, which is weird um, because, uh, you know, to think back that now I've, I've done it as a 100% owner at that time, it was definitely the temptation and kind of an anxiety of like, man, I just feel like I need partners mm-hmm. in order to do this. Um, but what I see happening a lot is you know, three people will get together and now they'll form a studio um, rather than freelance and kind of grow the demand. The, the issue that scares me about that and has always scared me about that is I wasn't sure if I could provide for myself and my family. Yep. And so how then bringing in two partners at the beginning of this, now we need to provide for three families. And that just didn't make sense to me. Like, yeah. I needed to provide for one family first before I could figure out if otherwise three of us are hoping we can split what I would have made by myself at at one point. I had the same exact conversation like a couple weeks ago with um, one of the members of our academy. And I was like, when this is why, when things go wrong and you have to pay your bills and there's three people, let's say, in the scenario you're, you're playing out, you have to pay your own bills, but if you have it set up so you have to split that money and those two people are comfortable and aren't doing any work and you go out and you kill it and do all the work so you can feed your own family and then you have to give the money away and they're not doing anything, that's not gonna sit right with you. That's true, but that's I think that's just a bad partnership as opposed to what I think uh, Barton was talking about is, is dealing with dilution of equity, mm-hmm. right? You owning 100% as opposed to 33. Yeah. Well, right? it goes, it goes, no, both I, ways. I think it it's both. both parts because he's, yeah, yeah you're right though. He's, because uh, because he's the only reason about, I, it, it's interesting is because I always do something with partners. Yeah, I always I was have. going there yeah, and I've was, never yeah, done it well, myself. And it, and it's, it's just interesting hearing you say that because I agree with you of the standpoint that if you can do it yourself and retain 100% of the company, do it. Yes. W- without a doubt, if that's an option, absolutely take that. Yes. Right? I think for the things that I've picked to do, yes. I've always felt like I need a team to accomplish what we're setting out to do. Absolutely. Right? Um, but but th- I think that's but, a totally valid and different point than what I was making though. Oh, as what? a starting creative, don't bring up don't bring on the same person as yourself No, form a hundred percent. That's hundred percent. Yeah, and I agree with you, which is why I kind of prefaced that I think partnerships are great. I think that's at another level of business. Yeah. In other words, like you are partnering or, you know, there are groups of people partnering that from the get go are launching something massive. Yeah. Um, and, and you absolutely need partnerships for that. And we're literally yeah. sitting here in a business partnership. <laughs> yeah. Like and with so, Avni. Well, like I think Avni is actually a good example yeah. of that, right? Because we, Avni, we didn't raise money for, we have no equity partners really. Yeah. Uh, it's two of us, which, um, Originally was we talked about not. It, it originally was possibly just we were be both Eric and just could be me thing. doing yeah. separate things. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and we talked about that for a long time. Of, of for months, if it was good to do it together, what that meant. Now we're talking about splitting it in half. Now I, I think the hardest thing for me is 
is when you partner with somebody that's like you or is creative or any type of visionary, yeah. that's where I think it's the biggest struggle because for me, I'm not an ops person, yes. right? Yep. So I know that I need an ops person around me, Yep. right? But if it's two visionaries with two different ideas of what you're trying to do, that has always been, I think, the biggest struggle that I've faced. But I've never had to face having a partner that didn't work and had to give them which is a huge it's a huge reality. Yeah, I've just for creatives though. Think about for creatives when you're bringing in like let's say you're bringing in eighty grand as a creative, right? And you you want to grow, and then you're like, oh, I'm like lonely. I work at my house by myself, um, and I want to bring someone else on so that I have someone else to work with. And then you partner up but you're both splitting creative business yeah, now. I get it. That's yeah. where yeah. it gets real like, and I've yeah. seen, I've had friends that it dissolved because of that, because yeah. they yeah. were like, I cannot continue to work and give away money yes. for someone else doing nothing. Yeah. And so it, that's kind of what I, I was, to your point, you were saying like, don't partner if you don't have to as a creative. Yeah. Um, I agree with you beyond a creative. Yeah. If you don't have to partner, don't. Yeah. yeah I, I sure. think if you can yeah. do it by yourself, do it by yourself. But I, I, I would say like right now where I am in my career, if I were to start another business outside of ABC, mm -hmm. it would be with partners. Yeah. Oh, you would? Yeah, because I don't have the time to, to do wait it by ten, my, I don't yeah. have the time to be the, the best salesperson, yeah. the, the, the best, you know, yeah. like, I think whatever, that's a great point. Why don't you talk about that? When you're going to do it yourself, how much more patient you have to be because the, the, the road is a lot longer. Yeah, so in order to save money and actually build something, at one point, you're going to be the best at everything in your company yeah. uh, to a certain degree um, if you're not using accountants or uh, other vendors to help you. Um, so you're not going to be just the best artist. You're going to have to be the best salesperson. You're going to have to be the best client relations person. Um, and so those are a lot of hats to wear that would drive most people crazy. Yeah. Uh, so that's why I say if I were to start another business right now, I would look to partner with Just people so fast track it. who have already been successful in other businesses and together we're going to launch something else that we can designate and focus on only what we're good at. Yeah. Um, but I think um, in, in what we're referring to, at least in my situation or uh, some of the listeners might be, hey, I'm at, a, I'm at a job that doesn't pay me enough, but I want to launch out on my own and I've never done this before. Um, if that's the case, I would say l try to do it by yourself. Um, but you know, use if you are going to partner, partner with people that are bringing something to the table that you cannot bring yourself. Example, example would be someone who's really good at what they do, but they know that they're terrible at um, the the client relation and sales. So if someone just focuses on sales and someone just focuses on creative that could potentially work because they yeah. both can't do the other's thing. Um, and to your point, I mean, I remember sitting there for like a year in my bedroom figuring out how to build websites and membership sites, right? Yeah. So in that case, I wanted it all to myself. And before me, me and Mikey partnered, I was like, I'm not partnering with anybody. I know yeah. how to build all this shit on my own. Yeah. Like I'll make all the money. But then it, me and Mikey were both doing our thing and it's like, look at Mikey's reach. And also, I like working with Mikey. He's also working on Commune. So your partnership has to make sense. I think to sum it up, and then you tell me your summary, and Mikey, you too, don't partner with someone that you don't need, that doesn't bring some value to the table that you can't fulfill. That, that would be kind of my take on right. it. Right. Yep. Yeah, because otherwise you're just trying to provide for two, three, or four of you. 
Yeah. Uh, and, and that makes it a lot harder than providing yeah, for a lot one harder. And, and I like yeah. what you were saying. Like, don't get a partner because you, it's scary to go off and do something by yourself. It's so scary. Right? Don't get a partner to yeah. like, feel like you have a buddy to get through it. Bad <laughs> yeah. idea. You, right? Yeah. You have a, a buddy to drag you into debt. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and pay while you work. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was I agree. Um, okay, so that was a great one. What's Gosh, that caught go. me so off guard. I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> What's I think the, that's a great point. I really do. Point. Yeah. What's another mistake? Let's just do two. Rephrase the question for me so I can so get back the, into when, that. When scaling, when getting yes. started, mm-hmm. what are the things, the biggest mistakes that you see people doing that stop them from scaling? Um, buying the house or the car. That was on our last <clears throat> podcast. So yeah. true. Tell, yeah, tell us about it. It's fantastic because my wife is very frugal. Um, so I always want to move. Every year I say to her, can we move? Like, can we move? And I check the market and I find houses that I want to move to. And thankfully she's the frugal one that says, no, I'm staying right here. I love this house. Um, See, Barton just wants to buy buildings like Mikey, huh? <laughs> He's already bought one. Barton does. We talk about this. Just Barton like does. Mikey. Yeah. <laughs> All right, keep yeah. going. Sorry. Yeah, so uh, my wife definitely keeps me in check because um, I have, I've had another friend that launched out on his own. He was freelancing at the time, and um, he did very well in his first couple of years. He went out and bought a much bigger house. He's still doing great. He still owns the house. No issues there. But when it came time for us to sign a lease on a new place, we didn't go and buy the new bigger house just because we could. So that allowed us to sign a lease and now take on basically two mortgage payments Mm -hmm. rather than one big mortgage payment. And now we can't afford to grow the business. Yeah. So it's always been for us focused on keeping things very tight and frugal within our personal expenses so that we can invest back into the company, which allowed us to do, um, uh, the, the very like smart thing of buying a building so that we don't have to lease anymore. Yeah. Uh, but we could not have gone out and buy a building. Had we gone and bought out, had we gone and purchased the house that I wanted to buy? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great <laughs> point. I actually I completely believe in that. <laughs> Your wife might get along on yeah. that point. <laughs> Love it. Okay, so go ahead. Do you think there's any issue with people growing too fast? Um, yeah, always. Yeah, I mean, you know, quality control if you grow too fast. Uh, I think, at least in our industry, what can happen is you go out and you land, say, like some large contract for Samsung or something, and next thing you know, you have a, a million dollars worth of spinning phone videos that you have to fulfill, mm-hmm. and then you have to run out and find you know, eight to 10 motion graphics artists that don't mind spending cell phones for the the next few years while you yeah. fulfill that contract. Yeah. Um, for better or worse, we've never really been in that position. We don't have any big long-term contracts. Got it. Um, we're, we're project-based, but... Um, and do you, you pick a project based on what your, your studio at the moment can handle? Yes, yeah. So you won't take anything bigger than what you guys can do? Um, I mean, we are doing everything in-house, and then occasionally we are freelancing out things that we either don't do, um, but are part of the project. Uh-huh. So for instance, if we were doing a full rebrand for a company and they wanted a website, I could build their website, but at this point I'm not going to, I'm going to find a web developer because we don't have any web developers in our uh, company. Yeah. But if somebody said, will you build us a website? The answer would be no. 
But if it was part of a much larger right. branding and we were yeah. doing everything for them, and it, was just, it, for that. it was just the website. Like we would still design the website. We would just need to hire out a developer Got to it. do the website. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So what are your scope of services currently? I know mm-hmm. you kind of just touched on this, but 3D motion animation, what are, what's your full scope of services? And do you stick within a very limited amount of services intentionally or do you plan on growing outside of it? Yeah, I mean, our focus is um, design, motion graphics, and 3D animation. Graphic design? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. So we can we can launch a company from nothing, like logo design, brand guidelines, everything. Okay. Um, we even do print work still. Uh, we do catalogs for Malibu boats and Axis boats. Um, okay. And so... Um, Typically, it's all focused around the creative and developing the creative concepts. And like I mentioned before, it's in our name. We're, we're looking to find out what's already been done. Uh, look at the industry that our clients are in and do something different for them. Um, so uh, it's all about the creative content for us. So mm-hmm. the medium might change, um, but we want people to come to us because they know they're going to get a unique and fresh approach on how we would do uh, things for them versus our competitors. Uh, okay. So it doesn't matter if it's augmented reality, virtual reality, holograms. We've done holograms. At the end of the day, uh, we're going to focus on the actual creative content. And if we need to, we'll partner with somebody to program the website or the virtual reality interaction, um, things like that. What we other can- things have you intentionally stayed out of? Um, intentionally stayed out of, I would say, um, for me, uh, I, I did not want to do certain types of projects with certain types of clients. And so that's a great one. Um, we have stayed out of that. So for instance, um, clients that are just really demanding and really challenging to work with, um, we'll work with them and we'll do the best we can. But if I feel like it's wearing out myself or my team, we won't work with them anymore Mm -hmm. because I feel very strongly that you have to take care of and protect your employees because if you don't, you won't have employees to fulfill the contract anyway. So either way, you're losing the contract. Mm -hmm. You're either you're either cracking a whip because you're scared to say no to the client and then you're losing employees and you can't fulfill the contract. So you lose the contract or you're telling them no and pushing back to protect your employees and you might not lose the contract but at the end of the day you want to protect your employees uh so that you can actually fulfill contracts for them yeah yeah and i don't know if you want to give any specifics one example of that for you know creatives just getting started like with video it's weddings weddings Uh are for video it's so much work uh-huh. And you would have to charge at least, I think, $8,000, $10,000 for it to be worth it. Not many people have those types of budgets. But even when they do, you're dealing with someone. It's literally the most important event in their life. So mm. expectations are so high. So when I was getting started doing videos, I just crossed it off. I was like, I'm not doing it. Yeah. And then later down the road, um, a friend of mine who owned a business said he wouldn't do it either. Because mm-hmm. he's like, you have a very limited budget, right? With very high expectations. Yes. So he's just like, I just won't do it. Yep. And it's funny because Mikey's dad is actually a wedding wedding photographer. photographer. Okay. Photography's a little bit different than video. Well, it's very different. It's different, but uh, dude, the pressure, the like expectations, it's so real. Yeah. He was like, dude, it's gnarly, man. They're like tripping on you every weekend, tripping on you. It's bad. Limited budget, 
unlimited expectations. Yeah. yeah so, and I, I mean, think too, like for whatever reason, it might be changing, but you, it was easier to justify charging more for photography than video. I know that the, it, yeah, I know it's changing now, but especially back then. No, for sure. Um, it was just a more of a It's premium. just you have to have a wedding photographer at you this have point, to, you know? Yeah, you yeah. have to. Okay, so cool. Um, did we miss anything? We're, we're going to dive in. Um, let's just give one example before we dive into the um, the TechWorks course. Let's give one example of a specific, we're, we're almost out of time, but a uh, specific uh, tool that you've used in your business um, whether it's accounting or, you know, inventory, I'm not inventory client management. Mm -hmm. What's one tool that people getting started should implement into their business? I mean, we use FreshBooks, uh, for invoicing. Okay. Uh, DocuSign. You familiar with DocuSign? Yeah. DocuSign's yeah, so, huge. Yeah. So, so all good. of our contracts, um, you know, I used to like in the early days rely on emails and when somebody would say, yeah, this is approved, let's move forward. Mm -hmm. And then two days later they would say, ah, sorry, things got pulled. We're not going to work on this project anymore. It was really awkward to like go back and say, but in this email you, you approved it. So every contract that, uh, that we write up is sent through DocuSign and we get a signature on it and it's got a kill fee on it. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, so that way ha making somebody sign it, it just makes them think twice like oh this is for real i can't just like tell him tomorrow yeah and it has a kill fee on it yeah. so if they if they <laughs> if they use DocuSign yeah. and then back out there's a kill fee and they know when they sign DocuSign they're signing to it yes and then as you grow use paychecks for all of your employee um mm -hmm. okay like, do you guys use paychecks absolutely yeah we we at first uh we did not and it's crazy dude like the the government is insane um so employee taxes and things like that can be a bear mm -hmm. paychecks takes care of all of that for you we learned the hard way it's like we were literally off on our taxes by like 300 dollars. yeah and i had the irs calling me on family vacation telling me they were going to put me in jail yeah and like it was like really <clears throat> um, so we ended up giving my accountant, um, like the, what is it? The right to speak for us. Mm -hmm. Um, the accountant had to call the IRS and tell him to back off. And like for years we even had, uh, the IRS, um, they sent us like, you know, like something stamped saying like, this is taken care of. And then for like three years later, they would still come after us. And, uh, my accountants would just handle it for us and say, like, we have letters from you saying that yeah. this has been taken care of. And it was yeah. literally over like 300 bucks. It's yeah. like, we're not trying to do anything. So get paychecks. For <laughs> yeah, yeah. So don't do it yourself. <clears throat> yeah. That's a good yeah. start. Yeah. All right, Barton. Well, hey, we appreciate it. Um, for anybody that wants to check out Barton's site, um, you know, I'm going to give you a different type of plug here. For any businesses that want to enhance your your videos or just wow your customers a little more or launch a product or launch, launch a product <clears throat> already been TV Barton. Is it Barton at already been TV? Yes. Uh -huh. Just Barton B A R T O N at already been TV. Check their stuff out. Uh, amazing looking 3d motion animation. Did I say that right? Yep. All right, cool. <laughs> All right, Barton. Well, Hey, thanks for being on and, um, uh, much appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, guys. All right, cool. We're going to jump Appreciate into it. our TechWorks account. If, I should plug that real quick. If anybody hasn't checked that out, avnidigital.com. We're going to be doing um, a private 
interview with Barton real quick on how he scales and grows his businesses and the tools that he uses. So check that out. Anybody wanting to get paid by small businesses, retainers, or big businesses, avnidigital.com. And that's a wrap.